Where do football players go shopping in the offseason? The Tackle Shop. You're listening to the SmackDown Outdoors podcast. What's up, everybody? How you doing? Smackdown Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Doug Glimmerveen, just an idiot with a couple of cameras, microphones, and a dream. On today's episode, I'm by myself. But don't leave. Don't leave. Stick around. Okay? Don't leave yet. Wait till you get really, really bored and then leave. But don't leave even on the, you know even at that point. So um, today I'm by myself. I had some podcasts, uh, a couple of podcasts kind of lined up. One fell through. One didn't quite, and the other one didn't quite work out. I was going to podcast from uh, Ray's Sport and Marine this weekend, but because they had their open house, but it just didn't kind of didn't really work out. There wasn't, really, I don't know, there was too much kind of going on to really grab anybody for a good amount of time and whatnot. But I'll I'll end up podcasting from up there um, at some point when uh, whenever I pick up my boat. That I'm getting, um, uh, I'm, I got through there. So I think I'll uh, bring it up there and grab a couple of the guys and have them come on the show and talk fishing, talk boats, and talk, uh, you know, whatever. You know how the podcasts work, man. Come on, we talk about whatever they want, and then we, we just go to uh, random fishing or hunting or whatever, you know, whatever comes. But uh, so anyway, so I was supposed to go up to Leech Lake and join in in the eel pout festivities. And then on Saturday, I was going to raise, which I did, um, to finalize, you know, kind of everything on my boat and hang out for the, the, uh, their open house, because I, uh, I am proud to say that I am officially on the pro staff for raise sport and Marine in Grand Rapids, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, I live in the cities and they're three hours away and I'll, I'll go over why I would drive three hours for a boat that I could buy 15 minutes from my house. Um, I'll cover that later. So, yeah, so I was going to going to go up to Tom, my buddy's Tom, Tom's house, Tom Bubba Petrowski. If you guys ever, you know, if any of you guys are friends with me on Facebook, you probably know who he is. You've seen him. He's the big guy that I go fishing with, ice fishing with a lot. Um by the way, this year sucks for ice fishing for me. Absolutely sucks. It's been a horrible year. Thank you, Mother Nature. Um, it's been either been at like 100 below or three feet of snow. And now we've got so much snow that it's creating issues getting around on lakes, not just because there's a lot of snow, but the, the slush under the snow. You can't get anywhere. You can't drive off the, off the roads. Um, and I don't have a four-wheeler, I don't have a snowmobile, um, but even a, at this point, four-wheelers are useless, and snowmobiles, I hope you don't stop where there's a bunch of slush under the ice other, or under the snow because you're going to get stuck too. Um, but so anyway, so um, I'm heading up there on Friday. First, I got tires, got some new tires for the truck, which thank God I did. Oh, good Lord. Don't wait as long as I did to get new tires. Just go get them. Um, but yeah, so I get new tires Friday, and then I head up. And I'm driving up there on Friday morning, and all of a sudden I see the sign for Little Falls. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, the uh, fishing Minnesota Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame in Little Falls. Let me see if they're open. I'll stop in, check out the place. I've talked about it, you know, a bunch. I keep talking about the Master Angler Award. Let me stop in and, and check it out. Well, I'll get to, let me, we'll just say long story short, this segment for your Minnesota Master Angler Award program is now officially brought to you by the Minnesota uh, Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame in Little Falls. That's right. So the Minnesota Master Angler Award is officially brought to you by the Minnesota Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame in Little Falls. And no, they're not paying me. I'm just doing this because I've already had, you know, been doing the Master Angler Award. Um, went in there, talked to them, got the nod to go ahead, keep doing it, and to say, hey, it's brought to you officially by them. So let's head over to today's Minnesota Master Angler, and it is Brian Sherwood. And on August 15th, 2007, remember, we're kind of going backwards, or we're, we're starting kind of from the beginning-ish, 
We're going back in time when I'm doing this now. Uh, he did, on August 15th, 2007, caught and harvested by sport fishing method from Minnesota waters, a 56-and-a-half-inch, 46-pound muskie, and is hereby recognized as an official Minnesota master angler. Uh, Brian Sherwood of Mora, he uh, was in Beltrami County. Can you guess the lake? Do, 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 do. It's Lake Bemidji. Lake Bemidji. He caught that muskie. It was 56 and a half inches and 46 pounds. He did harvest it. I'm guessing, you know, it's on the wall. Um, I'm not guessing. I know that for a fact. Uh, the fish was measured and weighed at Tabor's Bait in Bemidji by a fish biologist from the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. It weighed 46 pounds, but... It was found to be one half inch longer than the previous state record set in 1957. The fish is slash was uh, or has been mounted by Nature Image in Bemidji. Justin Sherwood is his witness, also a Bemidji, probably a brother, maybe dad or kid or whatever. Um, but yeah, so it looks like even though it didn't weigh as much as the state record, it was actually a half inch longer than the state record at that time. Now, remember, this is 2007, so I think it's been beaten, I don't know, once or twice. But uh, it's a really nice looking fish. Uh, really good picture. If you guys go ahead and watch, go, either go on to uh, the Minnesota Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame in a Little Falls and check it out. Um, go to like page 190, I think. It was, I found this on, in the Master Anglers program. Brian Sherwood, it's a really, really nice looking fish. Just a pretty fish. Doesn't look, uh, let me click on here. Doesn't look beat up at all. Good, nice, uh, nice coloration. Tails look, uh, to the tail and the fins look all pretty, uh, pretty well intact. So, so yeah, it's a good, uh, good fish. So congratulations, Brian Sherwood. And this will also put this up on uh, the video version of this this podcast. So if you want to watch the video version, YouTube Wednesdays, Facebook Thursdays, um, they're available anytime after that, and you can watch it there. So congratulations, Brian, on that fish, man. I, uh, if you're out there, if you listen to the podcast, feel free to contact us and send us a picture of it mounted. Or if you want to come on and tell us more about how you caught it, hey, man, come on through. Sounds good. So congratulations, Brian. For your Minnesota Master Angler Award. So, the Minnesota Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame Little Falls, they officially, they officially now are the, uh, I guess, sponsor of that segment without paying, which is, I don't care, doesn't matter, um, as far as them paying, I should say. But it was it was cool because I stopped in and I, there were three people there. And I apologize to two of them. I just remember Brenda's name offhand because um, she's kind of the one that runs the place. But I walked in and uh, the girl walks up, you know, she goes, hey, how you doing? Um, she's the one that later on I found out runs her, the social media stuff. I go, hey, you know, I've got a podcast um, where I mention, you know, the Master Angler Awards. And I, you know, give people shouts out for, you know, doing the home, you know, sending in and you know, getting the award and whatnot. And. Um, I talk about this place on the, all the time. So I figured I'd stop in say hi and, uh, see what it's all about. And she's like, Oh, cool. Let me come here. I'll introduce you to Brenda and, and, uh, talk to her. So I tell her the same thing, da, 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 da. And, and we're talking about this, that, and the other. And I said, Hey, do you mind if I, you know, say, you know, this is officially brought to you by the Minnesota Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame. I'm not going to charge anything, you know, just a, I guess a little validity behind it instead of me just you know, all of a sudden getting a call one day going, Hey, you know, stop doing that. Um, but she said, Oh yeah, no problem. Have at it. Um, you know, it's, it's great. You know, as long as it's a, you know, clean podcast, you know, clean show that, you know, doesn't get, you know, crazy out of hand and whatnot. And I go, no, nah, we're, we're, we're pretty darn tame. Um, so yeah, so she gave me the blessing. So yes, the master angler award is officially brought to you by the Minnesota fishing museum and hall of fame in little falls. And let me tell you that place, I actually got to, um, there's a guy there, young, younger guy that walked me around and told me about the place and, uh, you know, showed me around and, and whatnot. And I'll tell you what, the place is awesome. It's not a really big place. Like it's not like, you know, science museum big with different levels and, and whatnot. It's just kind of, you walk in, there's a lobby area then you, you walk into the main one big room, 
Um, there's kind of a little back area where they have some different ice fishing, their ice fishing area, smaller room back there. Um, but it's, it's just packed full of really cool stuff. I mean, lures from the 1800s, um, trolling motors, electric trolling motors. And this is where I, you know, <laughs> hashtag game changer is the biggest joke of all time because most of the things in there, you know, I, I walk around, I look at these things and I go, oh, well, somebody makes that now and somebody makes that now. And, and all this new stuff that we come out with these days, it's all just old stuff that we make out of, you know, sometimes the same materials, but you know, maybe a different material, typically plastic or whatever. And, and we throw some, you know, UV paint jobs on it or whatever. Or, but it's just a lot of the stuff that we have now is just a recreation of something that's been around for a long, long, long time. They got a trolling motor, electric trolling motor from, it's like 1910-ish, somewhere around there, about like 1910. And uh, <laughs> apparently you know, I hooked it up to like these two or four or whatever big, big batteries that took up like darn near half your boat. Um, but it's, it's, you know, just this little chromed out, you know, chrome metal trolling motor that's like two feet tall so just meant for the back of a little boat um electric ice augers ion is not the originator is not the first person to make one neither strike master or jiffy or whoever else out there made them they got one that is like uh i don't know the year but it's it's older probably from the 70s or whatever um homemade the handle is the handles are from a bike like a bicycle and it's like spot welded to this little motor and a shaft. It's got battery cables you hook up to like a truck battery or whatever. Um, they got old spearing stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they got old spearing stuff. Uh, you know, fishing lures just galore. They got old boats. Oh, here. Something cool. There's a boat in there that it's an old Larson, Larson boat. And I believe the story is the Larson boat, like um, the building where they made the boats. And this is back in the day when there were wood boats. Um, it burnt down. The building burnt down. They lost everything. And what happened was, is, well, the workers are like, okay, well, here's the deal. I know how to make this part of the boat. That guy knows how to make that part of the boat. That guy knows how to make that part of the boat. They built these, they started building the boats out of just memory, out of memory. So this guy would make the ribs, this guy would make the sides, this guy would make the transom, this guy would make the seats, this guy would make this. And they made, a, um, I can't, not, it was, I don't know, maybe a dozen or whatever it was, um, just straight from memory. So it, it's stories like that in this place that is, uh, it's just kind of like, wow, you know, it's cool. It's it's a cool place with just, it, there's no... You know, this is better than this, and this, you know, this company is better than this company. It's a place you go to and you learn about the history of certain things that you've never knew about. You know, they got old, old motors, and, you know, they got, uh, I finally saw a red box. You know, the old, uh, the old, the old uh, uh, sonar. I finally saw a red box. I'd never seen a red box. My dad had a green box, but I finally saw a red box. And I finally saw uh, Matt Waldron was talking about the paper graph. I finally saw a paper graph. I'd never seen one before. Um, and they also had the one that was kind of a split model where it was a paper graph and a flasher in one. So you had both. So you could watch your flasher, you know, at, in real time. And then you could see, hey, Tom, the history. Um, <laughs> running joke between me and Bubba about history and whatnot. He's a Vexlar guy. I like my graphs. So, you know. Um, but, uh but yeah, so you could be watching your Vexlar in real time, and then you could look over and see the history on this paper graph. Um, but the place is just, it's really, really cool. And uh, the story of it is is neat, too, because, um, and they've actually got the thing here on the website, how the museum came about. Um, the guy who, uh, his name is Al, and I, I can't remember how to say his last name, but it's B-A-E-R-T, so Albert or Bert of Sartell. Um, he was basically, uh, he went to like sell a bunch of old lures that he had. And this part isn't on the, 
on the website, but they told me that he had a bunch, he had like, I don't know, half dozen lures or whatever, and he went to sell them. He knew the price of them. He knew what they were worth, and the guys he went to was trying to screw him on the price. They're like, well, we don't want these five. They're worth nothing, and this one I'll give you three bucks for. It was worth like $60. So he decided, hey, you know, no, we're not, I'm not going to do that. So I'll just continue on here. Um, looking at the four-inch wooden lure in his hand, it was a 1912 Surf Oreno manufactured by the South Bend Bait Company. Okay, He realized it was not the value or the dollar amount that was so meaningful, but rather the wonderful stories and memories it represented a piece from a past era. Al soon contacted his lifetime, lifetime friend, Maury Sauv, or Suave, or Sauve, of St. Cloud, Minnesota, and they began to, lay, began to lay the foundation for the Minnesota Fishing Museum. Flyers requesting donations of old fishing lures memorabilia were printed and mailed to friends. Items from all across Minnesota flowed in like a river. People realized it was better to, to donate the items to the museum rather than to keep them stored in garages or basements. Housed in a museum, the pieces could be appreciated for their history instead of just collecting dust. For the donors, it was a chance to give recognition to significant people in their lives who enjoyed fishing, who shared a part in Minnesota's great fishing history. And if you donate stuff, if you donate like a single lure or a single item here and there, it might just get put in with some some um, kind of the same type of deal. People who donate like, you know, a single thing here and there. But if you donate like a collection of stuff, they keep those collections together. So it's they can tell the story of, you know, Bill Johnson... You know, and these these are his 40 lures or 30 lures or whatever, or a couple trolling motors that he had, you know, and they can, you can have a little things talking about that story of how he came about them or, um, or whatever, the collection. So they keep the collections together. Like I said, if you donate a single thing, it's kind of like, okay, well, they, you know, kind of, they find a spot for it. But, uh, I thought that was really neat that they put up, you know, kept the collections together. Um, that way, those collections could tell a story. Uh, by 95, Al's basement took on the look of a 1940s tackle shop. I wish my basement looked like that. That'd be cool. Um, items occupied every square inch of available space. It was now time to locate a permanent home for the artifacts, one that could not only serve as a showcase for the items, but that could also, uh, also be an education center for future fishing generations. In 1998, the Little Falls City Council unanimously welcomed the Minnesota Fishing Museum and donated space in the north end of the historic Cass Gilbert Depot building. After six months, the museum outgrew its space and moved to the current site at 304 West Broadway in Little Falls, Minnesota. Um, really easy place to get to um, as well if you're coming up 10. Um, not very hard at all. Just like five minutes off of 10 or three, three minutes off of 10, something like that. So definitely worth a, uh, a side trip, not, you know, just donate like an hour because you're going to be walking through there for a little while. It's not a very big place either, but there's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, in 2006, a remodeling pro project created over 10,000 square feet to display thousands of donated artifacts. When you stop in for a visit, you will view well-known manufacturers, Fluger, Evinrude, Hedden, Martin, South Bend, and Creek Chub and others. There's all sorts of stuff there. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, you can also catch a glimpse of the not-so-well-known Frog Skin Bait, Jim Dandy, Spoony Fish, and Leaping Lena, just to name a few. Click here to learn about becoming a member. Um, so, yeah, it's a really neat, 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 neat place. And uh, I will be going back up there um, for sure. And I'm actually going to do a podcast where, you know, we've got the video version. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a podcast from there and we're going to show some of this cool stuff and have them tell the stories of the stuff. Um, just because it, 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 I don't think a lot of people, you know, you got to appreciate the past to really know the future kind of thing and to appreciate where we are now, as far as this stuff is concerned, you know, the, um, I mean that electric ice auger. I mean, innovation, you know, and, and what people have tried before and didn't work out quite quite how it should have. Now they're making, you know, now electric ice augers are the, are the future. I mean, it's how long will gas be around? I don't think that long. I think it's they're really starting 
to realize that gas augers are a thing of the past. And it's just not even because of, oh, you know, gas is bad for the environment, blah, blah, blah. No, it's just the ease of an electric. They drill just as many holes. They're just as powerful. And, you know, it, it's they're lighter weight. They're easier to use. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's something where you, you go back in time. You look at the old stuff to really appreciate where we are now. Um, the the motors in there, <laughs> looking at the boat motors, even the you know the gas ones and the progression because they got a big long line of them and they got them mixed out throughout the whole throughout the whole place. Seeing some of these contraptions, just like you actually trusted that thing not to blow sky high, <laughs> you know, and to be able to push a boat, you know, I mean, especially when some of these were made. They're pushing wood boats, not, you know, a little 14-foot aluminum boat that you can, you know, almost pick up by hand. No, they're pushing these big, uh, you know, 16, 17-foot wooden boats that uh, are heavy. And then you put all the gear in there and everything, too. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely a place to check out. Um, they've got their class of 2019 induction Friday, March 22nd, um, Harry Van Dorn, Annie Orth, J.R. Coop, Cooper, Ron Hunter, Vados Bait and Tackle, Vados Bait and Tackle in Spring Lake Park, and then the Women Anglers of Minnesota. I think I mentioned all them once before, but um, yeah, it's definitely a, 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 just check it out, check it out. Sean Lanky, last time he was on the show, told me to check it out. I told him I would if I was ever in the Little Falls area, so Sean, there you go. I finally checked it out. And it was definitely, definitely worth uh, worth going to. And like I said, if you're ever in the uh, Little Falls area, swing on by, check them out, tell them we sent you. Um, give them a like on Facebook. Uh, they're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. Just uh, the Minnesota Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame. You can go to their uh, uh, website, and there's the link there, or just put it in face, uh, Facebook and look it up too. But... Um, there's also there's also something else coming up that I'll be mentioning on a future podcast. Uh, there's an event that they've got that uh, I don't think is on the website quite yet. Um, I think they call it like uh, uh, a night with the pros, which they have given me an invitation to come out and be a pro, I guess, <laughs> be one of the pros. Uh, so that's really, really cool. I mean, we're talking, all, there's a lot of people, um, a lot of big names that you will know, um, that, uh, I have the information, but it's in my truck right now. So I'll, uh, I'll talk about that on the next podcast. Um, yeah. And we'll go over that later. So, Hey, I have a special guest. I have a special guest. What's this wife? What do you got for me? Oh, nice. Say hi. Hi. Say hi into the mic. Uh, <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Did everybody hear you? Hi, wife. Okay, bye, wife. Bye. bye. <laughs> oh, well, let's see. What did she give me here? What do we got? Yeah. Oh, she gave me a check. Nice. Sweet. Except it's already spent. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so please check out the Minnesota fishing museum and hall of fame in little falls and uh like i said that fishing with the pro um we'll talk about that on the next podcast uh we'll go over all that stuff so all right what else do i have to talk about today where was i going with any of this oh that's right yeah, i'm talking about my weekend <laughs> all right so after i left there i spent probably two hours there um at least an hour and a half really good people um so i leave there i go up to tom's house and uh, meet him. He lives just up there by just, he's almost on Leech Lake, close enough. So I'm going up there for Eel Pout Fest. And like I said, the problem with what happened was, is that this weather and the snow and all this stuff, they uh, it's just been difficult um, traveling on the lake. And they didn't have a consistent 24 inches of ice on the lake in the area that they're having the event. So you couldn't just drive on and off all weekend with your vehicle. So if you're pulling out a, uh, a permanent house or whatever, you had to pull it out and you had to be off, your vehicle had to be off the ice and at like, I think six o'clock or something Friday. 
So I didn't have a permanent shack, and we weren't going to fish on that. In that area, we were going to go fish the rest of the lake, which you can do, whatever. No biggie. Um, but we go down there, and uh, it was like th- probably 3 o'clock, something like that, we get there. And we uh, park up in town, walk down, and go into the tent and check out that, you know, the big tent and everything. They had that, uh, if you follow us, follow me on the Instagram or Facebook page. You guys, you know, saw the uh, two girls doing the eel pout shot luge uh, through the ice carving there. And they got some cool, cool carvings. The guy that does uh, that does the carvings, I think he's been doing it for, it was like 10 years or more, I think they said on the eel pout page. Um but it was they were all really, really well done. It wasn't just the the one with the shot luge. They were all over the place. Um, but uh yeah, so we walk in there and of course my buddy walks into the tent and there's somebody he knows right away. <laughs> so he's like, I can't walk anywhere and not meet anybody. But uh so we hang out in there, he's talking to his buddy, I'm looking around, taking some pictures, whatever, and uh walk out of the out of that tent, go check some other stuff out, and walk over to the weigh in booth, and there's Mr. Jason Rylander. And if you've ever seen, if you know who Jason Rylander is, he is, he's a pout guy. Okay. He's an eel pout guy, a hardcore eel pout guy. If you've ever seen, and he's got at this point, hate this being brought up, but if you've ever seen a guy laying in, I don't know if it was a kiddie pool or if it was just like a live well they built in the ice or they drilled out in the ice or whatever. And he's and he's laying there in shorts and no shirt or no shoes or nothing, and he's basically in a pool of eel pout. If you've ever seen that guy, he's got the beard, he's laying there, and he's covered in eel pout, just laying in the middle of a whole pile of them. That's Jason Raylander. That's my buddy. So we come around the corner and we see the way intent, and and Tom goes, you know, I've never met Jason. I've never met Jason Raylander. You know, I wonder where he is. And he goes, oh, wait, there he is. <laughs> Turn around, there he is at the weigh-in. And uh, I see him, and I'm like, Jason! I'll run over and give the guy a big hug, big old bear hug, which is what we do. You know, we get, it's just the bearded bear hug. And, uh, you know, we talk to him for a while and whatnot. So we continue on our way, walking around, and we come kind of kind of to the end of the main area where all the tents and whatnot are. And... um all of a sudden we look and it's like, what's going on around this corner? Well, once again, if you follow the Facebook page or the Instagram page, you saw the end of the end of uh, the debacle that was uh, uh, a better part of probably an hour and a half to two hours. We were there a long time. What happened was is there was a white truck that decided from West Virginia. I'm guessing they really don't drive out on lakes much in West Virginia. Well, they get stuck trying to Baja through this bank of snow. So then there's a truck, a a truck with a plow. They were trying to get that truck out of that. He gets stuck in this rut. And remind, remember, we've got a bunch of snow with a bunch of slush and water under the snow on top of the ice, which is making everything difficult. And then we're, and then there's, so he's stuck trying to get that truck out. Well, there's another truck trying to get him out. That didn't work. So a different truck came in. He blew a tire trying to get him out. So he left. And then it was, well, what do we do here? We're trying to, you know, somebody I think hooked up a four wheeler at the time. And then all of a sudden here comes, I don't know what his name is. We'll just call him Billy. We'll call him Billy. Um, the kid, he's a kid. He's got to be no more than 18, 19. He shows up. Here comes the super duty diesel beat to hell. I mean, it's, it's a truck that has seen way better days, but it still gets the job done. Um, the biggest problem with how this truck was stuck was it had a plow on the front end, which I don't know why we just didn't, they didn't just disconnect the plow. It would have made it a lot easier. Maybe they couldn't get to it where it was connected, but I don't know. And then the houses, the row of houses was right there, and there was a snow bank that he was kind of stuck up on. So they kept, basically, every time they'd get him going, he'd get up, slide into the snow bank, and get stuck again. So after a while, and we're standing there, a while, um, they finally got it out. Uh, I've got the video of them finally getting it unstuck on Facebook and, and Instagram. 
and uh, you know crowd goes crazy blah 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 so then Meanwhile, behind us on the other side, there's the four-wheeler that I posted the picture of. He gets stuck trying to Baja through a foot and a half of slush and snow and everything. He gets stuck. A four-wheeler tried to pull him out. That didn't work. So then a truck came out, which they hooked up to his wench, and then they finally got him out. And then the plow truck that got stuck, they rearranged how he went, how he backed up to the Ford and using two tow straps, one of which was the metal hooked end ones which we were all very cringing cringing about because that much force on those metal hooks is it wasn't a big you know big super duty heavy heavy duty strap or metal hook it was yeah let's pull out the kia not the half ton pickup truck out of the snowbank but uh, so that that plow truck finally got enough there was just the right angle enough grip and uh to pull out the white truck but it would have been a lot easier once again if there wasn't a house right where he needed to go so it was uh definitely uh an experience to be had friday night um or this was just friday afternoon <laughs> actually it wasn't even friday night um so after all that was said and done uh me and tom we left and then we went uh went over to trapper's Trapper's Landing, and cause we're like, well, let's go see if we can get some fishing done. And because uh, we're looking for eel pout or walleye, whatever. Well, <clears throat> here's the issue: <laughs> the 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 amount of snow we got and slush we got and everything like that. It is making it to where you really can't get off the road very far unless you've got you know unless you want to just be right off the road or you know you got a sled or something neither of us had a sled but we basically just drove around on trapper's landing road with the gps on and um the watching the mapping um on the navionics on our apps and whatnot and kind of checking out to see if we had gone you know as we're driving down the road is there anything just kind of off the roads that were interesting in fishing and the only thing that really was interesting interested in fishing there's already other people there and it turns out everybody was pretty much just catching tulabies at the time. So, and then it uh, the wind started picking up and it started snowing. You couldn't really see where you were going, um, but it was an adventure. We we, <laughs> we pulled up to one in one spot, and uh, you look down the road and it was nothing but blue water, slush looking stuff. And I <laughs> I look at Tom and I'm just sitting there and I'm just like I really don't want to go through that because I don't know what what's in there i don't i just looked at him and i go you're not gonna make fun of me if i don't go through that are you <laughs> and he's like nope <laughs> like all right let's turn around and go so we turn around we left went back to his house had some uh, some venison steaks yeah venison steaks it was good good job tommy jr well not technically jr but his kid he's got a kid named tom too good job on the grill and then, um, yeah, so that was basically my eel pout fest uh, experience. Not the greatest time. I mean, it was fun watching those guys all trying to, un, uh, you know, unbury a, a truck and this and that. And, but uh, it just, the weather this year has been absolutely horrible. I have not been out ice fishing more than, I don't know, maybe a half dozen times. It's either mm-hmm. been 100 below uh snowing to beat heck uh i've got another show to go you know like a sports show or something i had to attend or some sort of thing i had to go to but it's been just the worst ice fishing season i've had in a long 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 time um i've had two really good outings one was when i went out with lanky and we caught a just a pile of crappies and then uh um actually the last episode when i was out with uh, nicholas cox and and uh, Mark Fisher doing the podcast. We caught a bunch of crappies. So other than that, man, it's been a really a lackluster year. Um, Tom and I got into, got into some fish. The one time we did go kind of go out early in the season and, and did some scouting, but it wasn't anything, you know, crazy fishing. Um, so yeah, it's just been a bad year so far. So I'm really hoping that a lot of this, uh, you know, snow and, and everything melts and, and makes it you know passable again i know i'm probably sounding whiny and stuff but really it's i it's just it's got me down man i don't want to go out and 
deal with a foot of slush and a two feet of snow. And, you know, I know there's some, some guide services that typically guide throughout the, you know, entirety of the year until it's not safe anymore. And they're pulling their houses and they're done. You know, they're just, it's not worth it anymore. They're wrecking equipment, their houses are, you know, it's just pointless. Um, I'm not saying get out, you know, don't go, but, you know, just make sure you have a plan. Don't drive off the roads. Be safe. Um, you know, bring a toe strap. <laughs> if it looks sketchy, don't don't cross it. Uh, you know, bring a shovel. <laughs> bring some waterproof boots that are two feet high and, and a crate to put your heater on. Uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's just been a bad year. So I'm, I'm just hoping that, you know, we've got enough ice. Got enough ice where we still have a good month left, unless all of a sudden we get really, really warm. But you know, um, it just has been a terrible year. I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, so yeah. And then Saturday, let's talk about my Saturday. So I left Tom's house, went up to Grand Rapids to race Sport and Marine, where, uh, like I said, uh, uh, I'm buying my boat from. Yep. And I am officially now on their pro staff which I uh, greatly appreciate. Um, went up there, and we, uh, we had some guys given uh, some, some seminars. Uh, Tim from Humminbird, Dylan Mackey, he was talking Lawrence. Mr. Jaren, Jared Houston was talking about uh, Duluth, fishing like uh, Lake Superior and the St. Louis River. Um, so, yeah, it was a good time. Sold some boats. They had a fish fry. Which was nice because I haven't had fried fish and I haven't had fish in a while, but it was it was good. Really, it was really good fish too, man. I couldn't get enough of it. I ate way too much, way too much of it, and yeah, <laughs> I, I'll yeah, I need a salad. Um, <laughs> and then uh, so I spent all day there, and I was gonna do some podcasting from there, but it just there was kind of just too much going on. There really wasn't the greatest spot to set up because there was a lot of customers in there buying boats and I didn't want to get in the way. Um, you know, people jumping in and out of boats, checking them out. So I didn't want to get in the way of anything. Um, but I'll do some podcasting from up there when I go pick up my boat. We'll grab the Herndonson boys that own the place. We'll grab Eric, uh, who I bought my boat from, who's the guy that sold me my boat. And then, uh, well, you know, maybe grab one or two of the guys that just work there. And, I live in the cities. Okay, I live in just just next to Minneapolis. And they're in Grand Rapids. Now, why am I going three hours away to buy a boat when I could literally buy the same boat 15 minutes from my house? I can go buy the same boat 15 minutes from my house, okay? It's, it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm on their pro staff um, now. I'm on their pro staff now, not even when I started looking for this. But... Um, there's a dealership near my house, and I don't know, about a year ago, I walked in, and I go, hey, I'm going to start looking for a boat. You know, this was last year sometime. I'm like, hey, I'm going, you know, start, you know, we'll start looking for boats, blah, 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 and, you know, check out some different things. And the guy was great. He walked me around all over the place, showed me all sorts of boats and, you know, this and that. And we kind of got it narrowed down to a couple different boats and, you know, a couple different manufacturers and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you know, when it gets closer to the time of actually coming in, buying a boat, I'm, I'll come to you because you know, they probably work on commission or whatever. And it's like, okay, cool. You know, thanks for stopping by and da 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 da. Um, and then I stopped in, I don't know, what was it, July or something, we'll say, uh, of last year. You know, July, August, whatever it was, who knows, who cares at this point. But uh, stopped in again and I walked in and this is after, like, it's, okay, I'm definitely getting the boat. I definitely need to figure out which boat I'm getting, what I'm putting on it. That way, at that point, all it is is paperwork and banks, you know, getting the bank loan and blah, blah, blah. So I go in there, and I'm like, hey, you know, just, you know, same guy. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm here. Uh, we're we're going to do the boat thing. I want to, you know, get it narrowed down to which, which exact boat, what's everything going on it, you know, get it all written up. That way we could just, I can come back and go, okay, here's everything you need, blah, blah, blah. He looks at me and goes, okay, well, there's catalogs there on the table. Let me know if you have any questions. Huh? Okay, just came in saying 
I want to get like <laughs> everything written down to what I want to a T. That way it makes it very, very simple. When I'm coming in for the boat loan, you know, when I come in with my, you know, loan work or paperwork or however the heck it works, you know, whatever. It's like, I want to get everything nailed down. Which boat, which motor, which trends, you know, uh, finders, which trolling motors, which rod holders. Boom. Done. Get the list. That way it's boom. This is what I want. Um, I understand because I was in sales for probably 15 years, 16 years. It was a long time that there are tire kickers. Okay. I get it. But when you have somebody come in going, I want to pick out exactly everything I need. So when I come back in a you know couple months or whatever it was, I can go, okay, here we go. This is what I need. Order this up. And here's the money or the bank, whatever, you know, the whole bank thing, whatever. Boom, done. It makes it easy and simple. You know, the only thing would maybe if there was like a new trolling motor out or a new, you know, finder out or whatever. Um, so I came in going, okay, this is, I need, you know, without saying I need your help. I shouldn't have to. And I go, I need, you know, I'm coming in. We're going to figure out blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, grab a couple catalogs, walk around. Let me know if you have any questions. I grabbed the two catalogs for the two companies I knew that I, I had narrowed it down to when I walked out the door and never been back. Okay. So, you know, and I was talking to uh, my buddies about this, actually Kyle Hot Pants and his old man, and they said, hey, we got we got a dealership that you should work with. I go, okay, cool. Where is it? And they're like, well, it's in Grand Rapids. And I'm like, well, that's far. You know, and they're like, yeah, but the guys are great. They do anything for you. You know, they'll take care of you. You know, we, I put my, you know, I put my name on them, whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, cool. So I think, I think we started the conversation. I can rely, my first conversation with Eric at uh, Ray's was sometime in uh, like September of 18, something like that. <laughs> I think it was September, end of August or September, something like that. So here's the difference. And this is why I'm, I'm, and I've told him, I go, I don't even care if I'm on your pro staff, you know, I'm buying a boat from you, you know, plain and simple, because they have answered every question I've had. He's looked up total out the door pricing on probably four, five boats that I've sent him questions on. Hey, can you give me a price on this? That day or the next day, I'm getting the email back telling me the breakdown of everything. You know, here's what this costs, this costs, this costs, out the door pricing, blah, 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 blah. They have helped me every single step of the way. Never told me no, you know, and no, we can't do that or we can't do this or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, they've got five different dealerships connected. So my boat was actually in Bemidji. You know, I was searching around the net and looking at different boats and this and that and the other, and I happened across some a dealership that had some boats on sale, and I'm like, oh, let me see if there's any 2017s or 2018s of this boat that I'm looking for. Sent him an email, and I think within maybe the same day, I think it was the same day, very, very shortly after that, um, he got back to me and said, I'll check. Yeah, he actually was the same day because he was at some meetings or something. He goes, I don't have – I'm in a meeting, but – let me check with the other dealerships, see what they have. The next day, it comes back. Boom, yes, we've got a 2017 brand new, never been on the water, um, just overstock of the boat you're looking for. I'll get you the prices. Sent me the prices. I said, boom, done, deal. You know, deal. Let's do it. So that's, I'm, that's the kind of customer service that I expect, when, especially when you're spending tens of thousands of dollars on stuff, you know. And... I, Along with trying to get you, yes, I am, to look at Rays if you're looking to buy a boat. And they got, you know, Perm, Duluth, Bemidji. They got one in Alexandria, I think. Um, so, yeah, check them out. But here's, here's kind of my point with all of this. Is that when you're part of this industry and you're, or really anything in sales... Really, 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 really help people out as much as you possibly can. Because not everybody is going to buy. And I understand, like I said, I was in sales for 15, 16 years, whatever. 
and I guess technically still am when I work at shows and whatnot for people. So I can tell if there are people that are truly tire kicking. Okay, but that doesn't mean that you should treat them any different than somebody who's not tire kicking because you never know when that person is going to come back and spend that money or tell somebody about their experience and then those people, they go spend that money. You know, I've, I've had it before where, you know, it's like I'm looking for something and that place didn't have it, you know, have exactly what I wanted, so I didn't buy it there. But those, pers- those people, they helped me out. And so when somebody else needed something, I said, hey, go check that place out. They might have it, whatever. So I might not have bought anything there, but I've sent people there because the people there are helpful and they, they're doing their job, you know. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of a rant, <laughs> I guess. I don't know, whatever. But, uh, but, yeah, big shout out to the boys at Race Sport Marine. Um, they really did a good job, and they've never, you know, they've been there to help the entire way. And I think everybody in the industry, no matter if you're selling tackle or if you're just a pro staff or anybody, I think we can all take a lesson to, hey, make sure that you're helping people, um, you know, as much as you can, and, and don't just, take it for granted that eh, they're not going to buy anything so who cares they might come back and buy something or they might send business your way you know it's just uh it's just disappointing that it didn't uh that the first place i went to um their first place i talked about there that it's like they just i don't know whatever and i'm not going to name any names um you guys can figure it out on your own but uh yeah so uh and then so after continue on with my weekend i guess yeah so i spent pretty much the whole day up there at ray's you're on camera honey might as well wave is that lunch (laughs) ha ha it's lunch um it's what it's poison all right well i've eaten on the podcast before so might as well eat now too right all that that soup looks hot um so what are we at here oh we're at 47 minutes yeah i can Wrap this up quick anyway. I guess it's lunchtime. <laughs> um, so spent the day at Ray's. We're hanging out, having fun, eating fish, talking fishing stories, um, seeing a lot of the uh, new boats and whatnot. Um, and then after that, we've had, we were supposed to have like these blizzard conditions coming through Minnesota. Everybody was going to die. It was the apocalypse. But uh, so, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, Went back to Tom's house and I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm I'm not going to stay up here because it's supposed to, you know, travel advisory warnings and all this snow and all this wind and da 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 da. I'm just going to go home because we were actually going to go back to the eel pout deal and just kind of hang out in the tents and see, you know, check out the party. I think uh, GB Layton was playing last night or whatever. Um, but I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to head home tonight, beat that stuff. That way I can, you know, get some stuff done on Sunday and. Not have to deal with the snow and all that, you know, driving through it and everything. So, so I drive all the way home last night, get home about nine o'clock, whatever. Um, and then I wake up and we barely have any snow. Uh, did not, don't have much more than what we had when I got home last night. And it's windy, but I don't think it's 50 mile an hour winds. So I guess never trust your meteorologist. <laughs> I guess kind of poo-pooed last night. I should have stayed up there and maybe hung out and whatnot and had a good time. But it's all right. I got some sleep. Um, And then I decided, hey, let's do a podcast this morning. So got the podcast. So there you go. So that was my weekend. Uh, The Minnesota Fishing Museum Hall of Fame and uh, their Master Angler uh, Award. They are officially a official, unofficial official sponsor of the show like i said they're not paying me but hey i don't care it's information for you guys gives you guys something to check out and then uh what else did i talk about i don't even remember what i talked about yeah i had uh, a thing from Malax here that i don't know if i even want to get into yet um but just real real quick apparently we're going to be able to keep fish this year on Malax. how many and how big and how often and if there's closures, I don't know. Don't care. So I got lunch to eat. All right, everybody. Well, hopefully you made it this far through the podcast. I do have some guests coming through this week for uh, next week's episode. So you won't just have to listen to my 
monotone voice just talking about whatever for 49.40 minutes. Yeah. All right, everybody. So, like I said, thanks for listening to the show. Here's a couple other ones to listen to. The Broken Line out of Bemidji. Bemidji, Minnesota. That's a really good one. All fishing all the time. And then you got the Midwest Angler out of Iowa. Those boys, we've been going back and forth on Facebook. We rip each other all the time. Uh, really funny show. Good guys. Um, the Broken Line has guests. The Midwest uh, Angler has guests, I think, every once in a while. They've had a couple people on. But um, both good shows. And here's kind of an up, uh, not an update, but kind of an announcement. We're going to work the us three shows, Broken Line, Midwest Angler, and yours truly here at the SmackDown Outdoors podcast. We got something coming up this year that should be um, – it's going to be fun. So we're working out the details. Once we get it all hammered down, we're going to let you know. But uh, stay tuned for that. All right? And thank you to the sponsor of the show, AllIceFishing.com. AllIceFishing.com on Facebook. AllIceFishing.com. Dot com. Dot com. On, on uh, the wide web of internets. World Wide Web. AllIceFishing.com. They want to save you 10 to 20% off of your ice fishing gear. We're talking, you know, accessories for your permanent house, uh, portable shacks, augers, um, electronics, sonars, uh, ice fishing clothes, all sorts of really cool stuff. Uh, big stuff, little stuff, medium stuff. You know, it's it's definitely something to check out. AllIceFishing.com. They've been the sponsor of the show um, for a couple, three three months or so now. So. Um, we're coming to the end of ice fishing season, but that doesn't mean you can't go there and save some money on stuff for next year. Okay. Buy it while it's cheap. Not when you need it. <laughs> yeah. That's with anything. I don't care. Tackle, buy it when it's on sale. Not when you all of a sudden, Oh, I need this. So check them out. They're a family owned company. Really, really, really nice people. Um, genuinely, genuinely just really good people that want to save you money. So check them out, alliceFishing.com, Facebook, website. Um, tell them I sent you, all right? All right, everybody. Well, shoot straight, catch a big one, and we'll see you later. Bye-bye.